What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news. Sponsored by Middleton Technologies Maximo. I'm your host, SJ, and it's time to get it on. Welcome back, everybody. This week on the podcast, I have the CEO and founder of Buckle. What is Buckle? Um, Buckle is something that every single gig worker using app-based on-demand platforms should at least be aware of and at least go get a free quote from. Um, It's something that many of us have talked about on many different occasions, uh, making sure that you have the correct insurance. Well, Buckle makes it easy because Buckle is specifically based around gig workers. So it takes into account which of the platforms you use and everything and bounces you back a legit quote. So I'm going to have him, I'm going to have Marty on the podcast today to talk about Buckle. But before I bring him on, I want to thank our new sponsors, Middleton Technologies. I know you guys have probably all heard of Middleton Technologies. You might have used the DUH app or the Flex Alert app, but I want to talk to you guys all about Maximo. Um, maybe you used it before the pandemic. Maybe you've never used it before. But if you're doing rideshare, if you're doing um, Uber Eats or uh, you know some of the things that that you know other apps don't cover, uh, Maximo helps rideshare and delivery drivers become safer drivers by auto switching between apps, auto accepting only the trips they want and auto-declining unprofitable trips. The more services you drive for, the more trips you can get, which equals less downtime and obviously more money. Check it out. We're going to put it in the show notes. Maximo. We're going to be uh, talking about that over the coming few weeks or coming upcoming weeks, and we'll get into it more and more and more and see what uh, kind of feedback we can't get on it as well. But yeah, Maximo, Middleton Technologies. You can check out middletontech.com and you can also find the link to Maximo in the show notes. So uh, give it a try, people. I, and if you're doing this work, uh, Middleton has probably an app that, that will work with the platforms you're working with. So check it out. Now, I'm going to jump into the interview that I did with Marty from Buckle and uh, I'm going to come back on the other side. So this week on the podcast, I am happy to have Marty Young, the CEO and co-founder of Buckle. Uh, Marty, it's great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm really interested in what you guys are doing here because uh, I know a lot, I, I know a lot of people that I know in in the gig world don't come don't have the right insurance. They just mm-hmm. don't. They, you know, we talk around it all the time, and we say, "Listen, you got to call your insurance," or just call a different insurance to at least price it out. You, you got to figure it out because if you're going to do gig work, you got to make sure you're covered, especially in the rideshare game. Um, you know, I know the other spaces 
ask for it too. Um, just when you're doing, when you're moving anything for a company, but, uh, especially in rideshare. And I know that a lot of rideshare drivers just kind of have their fingers crossed really that something doesn't happen. And I've told people that, you know, like even such a thing as if you do carry the right insurance, if you pick up a underage kid and you get in an accident, everybody's going to walk away from you. Well, it's even worse if you don't have any. So, um, I guess, can you kind of break down a little bit, like how buckle formed and, and kind of how it kind of comes around the gig economy. Sure. And, um, and we do a lot more than insurance. So hopefully this will yeah. um, give you a lot of a better understanding of, of how we think about the world. First of all, um, we're, we're very excited about the gig economy, you know, the gig economy. Um, I'm sure you've, you've seen all the, um, the data showing how fast it's growing um, we've watched delivery explode, um, how rideshare has displaced rental car companies as the you know transportation uh, choice when you leave an airport. Um, and um, there are a few things that we we observe early in our in our journey that will probably resonate with you and your listeners um, that are not well understood by um, typical banks or insurance companies. Um, you know, the first thing is that, um, you know, many of the folks that participate in the gig economy do it as supplemental income to other W-2 employment. And um, the reason for that is that although, you know, I think Amazon is willing to pay you $20 an hour in a lot of parts of the United States, they're not willing to pay you $20 an hour more than 40 hours a week. And I can go through a whole bunch of jobs, whether um, working in a call center doing delivery for, you know, the postal service or, or UPS or FedEx or working retail. And although wages are going up, the truth of the matter is nobody wants you to work more than 40 hours a week where they have to pay you time and a half. But in a lot of places in the United States, um, the gig economy offers an attractive supplemental option where if you uh, work those 30 hours a week at Starbucks and you get your healthcare benefits, now you can potentially do another 10 or 20 hours a week, however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it, more or less on your own terms. Mm-hmm. And that phenomena is really alien to your traditional banks uh, who are sort of looking for the uh, customer with two years of W-2 history and a good credit score where they don't have to really do much else other than look at those documents um, that aren't going to have the technology, the understanding, or even the regulatory support to start looking at all these varieties of different incomes and how they basically stitch together the household budget. Um, The the second thing is that um, we've recognized that for many people, um, the automobile is the biggest uh, household cost. When you add in not just the costs of your car payment, but also insurance and fuel and maintenance and everything else that goes with it. And what we realized was that the automobile, again, through the gig economy, um, can turn from being in a household cost to a cost of goods sold for a side hustle business. And so really, those sort of two observations <clears throat> led us down this path that if we could figure out how to insure uh, these vehicles and the drivers in a way where the interests are aligned in a way that basically, um, you know, make sure that the drivers have uh, peace of mind coverage 
no matter what they may be doing, uh, one app or two apps or no apps or whatever, um, then we can also now bring in credit, which we think is sort of the bigger problem because what's happened with banking since 2008 is they really don't want to uh, help people with low credit scores and um, what I describe as complicated uh, income stories. Again, you know, if you have two years of W-2 income, it's great. But a lot of gig workers have multiple sources of income that may phase in or out. And like one year, hey, last year was an Uber year. This year is a Lyft year. Um, or, or maybe during the pandemic, I was doing a lot of Instacart. Like the bank banks weren't designed to figure that stuff out. And, um, and, and, and same with the insurance. So really, we, we really are using insurance as sort of the starting point to then also bring in credit. And then what the last piece of the stool, which um, last leg of the stool we call advocacy, um, which is this idea of using all this data for our members, advocating on their behalf and helping them get um, um, all sorts of benefits, whether from the government or whether from commercial partners. And um, we're really proud that in 2020, uh, in the height of the pandemic, um, we started our Buckle Cares program. We got our drivers more money from the government than they paid us in uh, in automotive uh, insurance premium. And the and the way we did that is we had all the data so they could get an EIDL loan or grant within basically a, a 90 seconds um, on the, and working with them on their behalf. So, so that's Buckle. If, so if I go back to the uh, to the to the credit portion. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the, on the website, you're, you're, you're saying that there's no credit check, but are you saying that you, you help them rebuild the credit? Did I hear that right? Or, um, we are actually, well, in essence, I don't know if it's like re, rebuild, isn't the right word, but, um, reestablish uh, no, maybe with, no, within we're their... actually um, providing financing for vehicles in Georgia and Tennessee. Okay. Okay. I just was wondering if maybe somehow being with you too and showing that they were making some kind of payment, if you were helping establish them to oh, be more of a creditable. We do. So um, we, we are trying to basically help them improve their credit scores. Um, you know, so we are, um, you know, for want of a better word, uh, reporting, um, you know, uh, credit data for our automotive leases to the credit bureaus, which mm-hmm. does improve people's credits. But on our automotive insurance businesses, we don't uh, use credit, nor do we report to the credit bureaus. Okay. Um, so, so what can, can I know this is a loaded question here, but because sure. it's state to state, it's driver to driver, all of us get all that. But how, I mean, is there any kind of uh, metrics that you have to share that can tell people like, just in in some kind of average, what m- amount more they're paying to do, either part time or full time del- delivery or rideshare or whatever than they would that normally. That they're not currently paying right now. I think. It's yeah, kinda... let's just say that they're just carrying normal coverage and they start doing the gig economy, and then like six months in, somebody tells them, "Hey, do you have the right insurance?" And they're like, "What do you mean?" I run into this all the time. You know, it sometimes takes people like a year because these companies don't tell you when you onboard, hey, you need to have this insurance, even though you you're, you do. It's yep. like everything else. They can't do that without being a, a, an employer. And they really are careful to not cross that line, at least most of the time. <laughs> so. No, uh, uh, you're, you're right. And I can give you a little bit of the history if you'd like to hear it. 
Yeah. Um, so our general counsel, Jeff Nash, um, was formerly with uh, Progressive. And um, in the 90s, um, he created what was called the exclusionary language um, that if you were on a personal auto policy and you're using your vehicle for delivery or livery, personal auto coverage would no longer apply. Um, Progressive started it. Um, then everybody else copied that language and it became part of the um, what's called the insurance services office standard. So everybody used it. Um, and so what, what ended up happening was, um, you know, all the auto insurers stopped basically paying claims out on Domino's Pizza. And so um, Domino's was told, as were other pizza delivery chains, you think Papa John's, et cetera, if you don't put in insurance, um, we, will, um, we, we, will, we will stop you from operating in our state. And so they did. And, um, and so what ended up happening was um, a number of employment lawyers sniffed this out and ended up suing Domino's um, and other pizza delivery businesses, uh, pointing out that by putting in insurance and then having to basically put in risk mitigations um, actions as part of that insurance policy, these are employees. And uh, Domino's lost. So to this day, Domino's will tell you everybody who's doing all this work really is an employee, and they will they will continue to push that uh, mantra. Um, we believe it's a lot more nuanced than that because a lot of people don't want to be employees. And right. um, most so what, of my experience, but yeah, it's about ninety percent of gig workers don't because mm-hmm. you know they usually you know get W two income and benefits elsewhere, so they don't want to pay the double tax right on their wages. So, um, so what ends up happening is that um, there is some insurance in place by any of these platforms, but in every single case, it's the platform that's insured, not the driver in every single case. And so if the driver gets any type of insurance coverage, it's as a third party to that platform. That's that's basically how it's structured today across all 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 uh, platforms. Right. Well, now they I know that most of the ones that I mean I've been I've been in the gig economy since 2014, and I can say that a lot of insurance companies like Allstate, Progressive, they now have that gig economy coverage, and they want and they're kind of out there wanting to know about. It. I, I remember there was a few years where it was even cloudy with them. If you called your Allstate agent and whatnot, they were. They were kind of like, just you need just straight up commercial insurance. No two ways about it. You need to be paying yeah. full. And I feel like they've kind of come in with this. This is the gig economy level commercial insurance. I don't know if it has an actual title or anything yet, but yeah. um, I don't know. With with that, like, is again, is there is there any amount of money that like just to make people realize they really should do this, that it it is worth it? Like. I don't know how how can we put this in a term where people in the gig economy can understand that it's not going to break the bank but it's but it could devastate you if you don't have it. <laughs> yeah, no I think I think that's well put. So um so first of all when you look at the major insurers that are out there um mm-hmm. They all have rideshare endorsements. Some might call them gig economy endorsements, but if you look at them very carefully, 
Um, they don't cover um, anything other than rideshare in most cases. There are a couple of emerging products out there that cover certain forms of delivery, but not all forms of delivery. Now, the question is, what are they really covering? Are they covering you, the driver? Are they covering your vehicle? Um, is it really a deductible plan? Um, the answer is it's, it's really um, hard to decipher. And given how much complexity there is in um, um, the differences between uh, all the different platforms out there and the risk associated with it, um, it you have to tread very carefully as a consumer, very, very carefully. Um, the way we thought about it at Buckle <clears throat> was understanding that you know Uber has one model, Lyft has a different model, mm -hmm. DoorDash has a different model, GoPuff has a different model that we could take each of these models into account and through our uh, partnerships with them, um, share data, get data, and then basically make sure the driver is only buying coverages that fill in the gaps. Because why pay for coverage that somebody else is already paying for? That doesn't make any sense. And that was one of the big um, accusations against the big insurance companies in the early days of, of rideshare endorsements, which is, you're buying a rideshare endorsement, but all you're really doing is giving uh, that big insurer the right to not pay out a claim because your app was on, right? Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of that's changed over the last few years, but um, but in short, there really is no one size fit all solution. You really kind of need to have the technology, the data and the partnerships to engineer the, um, the insurance uh, platform by platform by platform by platform. And that's really what makes Buckle unique. Okay. So is, I mean, do you see a lot of difference in, <clears throat> excuse me, just like a Lyft and Uber, even the way that they deal with the claims? And yeah. I mean, like, I know that because they're so alike in, in every other way, are yeah. they that much different when it comes to dealing with the claims? Um, it, it, the, quite, quite a bit in our case, but I, I need to give some caveats here. So, um, so you know, with Lyft, the if you have a buckle policy, um, we take the first dollar of indemnity or the first dollar of any insurance claim across periods zero, one, two, three, and four. And so um, Lyft pays buckle drivers more than non-buckle drivers. So if you've got a, a buckle policy with Lyft, um, you'll actually get paid more um, for each trip, for example, in Georgia, uh, Tennessee, it, it's on their website. You can kind of go through the territories. Okay. But what that effectively does is it nicely aligns the interests between the driver, um, the uh, Lyft in this case, and and the um, and and Buckle. So it's a very very, for one of a better word, seamless experience. Um, in Uber's case, um, Uber told us they wanted to take all the indemnity. Um, for all liability in periods two and three. So um, what that means is now you really have in certain cases, um, situations where we tell the driver, hey, all that third party, that's all on, on, on Uber. That's the way they wanted it. But the first party coverage is, for example, your vehicle, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. Okay. And uh, don't worry about the, um, the $2,500 deductible, for example, what Uber does in certain territories. But um, um, but that way, it's very seamless to the driver. They we make sure that somebody is always going to cover uh, the liability um, in in um, all the various periods of coverage. 
And it's different from platform to platform to platform. So because it's kind of, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just for a second call it a la carte because it's kind of an a la carte type thing on which platforms you're working to, as to how yeah. you guys are managing, you know, which companies they're, what each user is aligned with. Um, I'm guessing that like, as opposed to Allstate, if I call Allstate, they're just going to kind of give me like this, you, you need to take this commercial insurance here, just take this huge plan. And they're going to sell me that at like an additional $700, let's say a year. Oh, that'd you know, be <laughs> like, let's say, uh, yeah, I don't even know. 1200, a thousand. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. A, a true, a true commercial policy doing a ride share yeah. in many markets is, is five to $10,000 a year in many markets. Wow. Um, okay. We, we, do I, I know that there's some less, I mean, just from quoting around things, I know that, the I, I that kind of sound, that reminds me of like years and years and years ago the five thousand, um, but I feel like today it's a little bit less if you just call around. But that's maybe. Um, well, yeah. So, um, so here's a so it's a little nuanced. Um, mm-hmm. So we also provide insurance coverages for black car um, okay. and taxi. So we actually do support uh, black car in, for example, California. In other places. Um, and what, what's interesting about the black car policies is that if you are a limousine um, that's doing Uber and Lyft, the TNC model bill doesn't apply. That million dollars of liability does not apply. So for example, in New York City, um, I believe liability is 300,000. That's the limit. In um, in Georgia, I believe it's fifty one. It's it's a hundred thousand dollar a liability limit. So the rideshare companies, from an insurance perspective, um, you know, if you have a true black car policy, um, they really don't have to provide any insurance coverage on you at all. Um, which has been you know won out in you know I think a lot of the law and the case law as a as a limousine driver. So. Um, so, so what you typically will see is that if somebody is trying to sell you a insurance policy for, to do rideshare, they're really trying to sell you a limousine policy um, or something very similar to it uh, with significantly lower limits than that million dollars. But if you are doing a, a, a full million dollars of liability, I'd be shocked if it was less than $5,000 a year, most places in the United States. Okay. So it comes down to it's, there's a cost, but then what are you getting for the cost? Right. I mean, like, like you were saying, like, I know that I think you put it into four periods. I've only heard it in three, I think, which is zero zero is personal. Sorry. Oh, okay. So period zero, one, two, and three. Sorry. Right. Okay. Um, Yeah. So period one, that is what being on the app waiting. Yeah. Period two is you've got you've got an active user, but you're not to the rider or job yet. Correct. And then period three is rider or user interfaced with you until drop off. Correct. You got it. So I know that like during the periods where you have the passenger and stuff, that's that's all pretty much covered. Yeah. That's where they kind of do have you fully backed. Yeah. I would say from a liability perspective, that's true generally speaking not always true there's right. some well i mean it's, it's, it seems like as close as you're going to get yeah i'd I mean, say as close as you're going to get 
Um, and then, uh, but, but for your car, your vehicle, not necessarily. Okay. Uh, it'd be very different than what you're paying for. Um, you know, you know about some of the deductibles are a bit higher than $500. Um, yeah. right. And, and there are some gray areas as well. Like, um, you know, for example, um, you know, what, what happens if, um, you know, you, um, I'll, I'll give you an anecdote, which is unfortunate, but true. Um, passenger got out of the Uber vehicle. Okay. So period three is over, but was in a dispute with the Uber driver. So then kicked the driver's door, creating a couple thousand dollars of, of physical damage. Um, the driver's um, personal policy wouldn't pay because it was tied to that commercial activity and and the rideshare company wouldn't pay either because well period three was over you understand what i mean right well then i feel like the personal should pick up if because if he had ended the ride right but but because it was still a commercial nexus because that was a customer that just got out the door right shut the door kicked it there was no coverage yeah i guess i guess i get the i mean but at the same time it's kind of weird because i mean if you tell that story to somebody like i understand it i get what happened and somebody should pay for that right (laughs) Right. well in buckle's case we would pay for it but is like every uh, every um endorsement that's out there is not designed for that use case so i mean how so i mean again to just the money amount i know it's just too hard to call like what what is so you're not paying for a full commercial license through buckle right because you guys are you're 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 measuring it against what platforms they're on so if, if i was on three and i told you that and i got my quote but then i added a fourth i would just call you and say i've added a fourth yeah or you could do it yourself online okay sure. but i mean so i mean what are these can i mean I know people can get the the quote online. I've seen it. And the, actually on the home site, if people listening, go and check the show notes and, and take a look at this when we're done that uh, you see that you can get, I think you can get a $20 uh, Visa card too. If you, yeah. if you just get the quote right now. So, um, yeah. so there's really no harm, no foul, but so any idea like what an average policy is taking people to like, I don't know, let's say that somebody normally pays uh just for ease, a hundred dollars a month. Okay. Yeah. Um, on some personal policy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I would say in general, um, you know, we can save somebody, uh, I'd say anywhere from 10 to 20% on their car insurance. Um, if, if they fit into the category of a lower than six, seven year credit score, which, which is actually a, a large chunk of the, the, um, the population. So we are much more competitive than um, the what I would describe as the um, you know the, the non-standard auto platforms out there. So that's not State Farm, that's not Progressive, that's not. Uh, but we're we're a lot more competitive to the the 150 to 200 insurance companies and MGAs that um, insure those with six, lower than six seventy or better credit scores. For those that are six, seven year better, we tend to be a little bit more expensive. I'm just being blunt, yeah. but you're actually getting real coverage, right? And um, and that that's really the difference. So we have we have won some customers over from those platforms. Although the big guys like you know tend not to have as many gig workers as you would think. There are a lot more gig workers in you know places like the General, 
um, Assurance America, um, Bristol West, Kemper, um, quite a few in Progressive. But but generally, if you're buying, if you're a State Farm customer because you've owned your house for 20 years and you're retired, and you do this stuff on the side, um, I would say we're we're not going to be as we're not going to be cheaper. But if you bought our policy, at least you'd have peace of mind that you're actually covered. So somebody can have all their insurance through you. Uh, no, just uh, just their auto. Just insurance. well, that's right. what I mean. Can they move all their auto over though, or does it have to just kind of be like a a patch with another insurance? Oh no, no, no. We you we could, take care of, you take care of everything. We take care of the whole thing. And you, if you have more than uh, one car in a number of states, we do up to three cars. Okay, so does it take into account how often you're doing? Um, gig work or does it not matter? Are these kind of, yeah, we so got you covered. Cause a lot, you, you know, that a lot of people just like, like me, I have I actually try and schedule myself out cause I have a son and stuff. So I actually try and schedule out my week when I'll work gig work. But to those who just kind of might go, I- I'm going to turn on right now. Yep. I mean, so, are they, are they kind of covered all the time? Yeah, so so the idea is that we 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 underwrite and price at the point of initial policy, and then six months later at the point of renewal, we'll we'll recheck all the data sources automatically, um, and then basically update the pricing based on how much you did or did not drive. Okay, so in the online quote, people. Um... Is that the best way to go, or should I mean, can they or can they reach? Do you guys have like a? Oh, I see the live chat that you do have on the website, so you've yeah. got that going too. But um, we do have so, live agents that are um, licensed and ready to chat to people about um, the buckle policies. So I know that you guys don't, you or at least you have on the website, and we've kind of talked about it a little bit. That you know that um, uh, people's credit score isn't isn't the biggest deal, but are you running any kind of credit check when they're getting a quote? We are not. So what are you basing the quote on? Just previous, yeah. is it just dri- their driving record? Is it? We do, we do look at your driving history. So if okay. you have speeding tickets, like every other insurance company right. will know about things like speeding tickets, at fault losses, um, losses that are not at fault. Um, you'll find that gig workers on average get into more accidents, but most of them are actually not their fault. And right. I think if you do a lot of your, your, um, your, your, your listenership, you'd realize they, the accidents they get in actually, usually they're not their, their fault. They're a third party fault. Right. Uh, but, um, but they do get in more cause they're on the road more. And that's just sort of the law of being on the road more. So we, so we look at um, all these sort of, for want of a better word, this is amount of personal driving, we assume. And this is amount of rideshare driving, we assume, based on Uber and Lyft data. This is amount of delivery um, activity, we assume, based on getting data from you know, GoPuff and DoorDash and, and Favor and, and others. And then we put together sort of a profile. And what will probably interest you, and you can probably imagine this, right, is rideshare risk is very different than um, uh, food delivery risk for restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can kind of think of it, rideshare, you sort of, you drive up, somebody gets in your car, car drive somewhere else, they get off, right? That's a very different risk than you pull into the the parking lot of, um, you know, of the, um, uh, uh, um, you know, of the Burger King, you run in, you grab a big order, 
run out to your car, get in, you drive somewhere, usually, you know, anywhere from, you know, five to seven miles, mm-hmm. you may get out of the car, but leave your car running. So you've heard about these carjackings that have occurred. You run the food in and maybe the car is there, maybe it's not right. Because of some of the carjacking. So very different risk than say food, deli- uh, food shopping, where you pull into the HEB, you get out of the car, you turn off your car, you do the personal shopping at the food, you load it in your car, you drive, usually less than five miles, you turn your car off, and then you basically deliver the food delivery, right? Different than Amazon, which is you work a four to eight hour shift, and usually have a vehicle full of, you know, and versus our partner GoPuff, which, um, you know, they tend to deliver, you know, munchies and other things all hours of the night. So each of these risks are very different, but we're able to basically customize, make sure that the driver has a peace of mind that they have full coverage from Buckle and our partners through all those various periods. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that the one main thing that's coming through to me today is that the ease of this, because I know that, you know, basically in the past, if somebody's been in an accident or whatnot, and they've reached out to me, I tell them to contact legal rideshare, but I've even had them contact me back and say, I did. I sent them my dash cam footage. They said that, you know, the, this or this wasn't going to be able to do this. And what do I, so, I mean, I know there's just been so much headache involved for the, for the gig workers that I feel like some of them have just even given up on getting the right insurance. Cause they're like, whatever, dude, yeah. this just sounds like a nightmare anyway. I'm just going to roll the dice and take a chance. Yeah. Unfortunately that, that happens more often than not. Right. And, um, because there hasn't been a user-friendly insurance company, yeah. like yeah. what you're describing right now, there hasn't been somebody that I don't know of another company that's come out and done what you're doing, um, where you're specifically geared towards the gig economy and, you know, and helping make sure that all the little dots are connected for Uber, Lyft, Instacart, GoPuff, Grubhub, Favor, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Flex. Um, you know, I, I see that you've got them all covered, but it's, I don't know. I don't think that anybody out there gets a personalized plan. And I don't even think that many people who do get the commercial insurance understand what they're buying, to be honest. Yeah, well, if you if you buy a commercial policy, you're often paying what are called duplicative coverages. So you're paying for coverage, but so so is um, DoorDash. So now you're both paying. And um, in that trade, it's usually the driver that is paying for the unnecessary coverage. So right. we just make sure that it's, you know, because each platform is different and they each bring certain philosophies in terms of how they think about taking care of drivers, taking care of the public. And, um, and that's very much reflected in their claims process and the coverages they put in place or don't put in place. And, um, you know, really we're the ones trying to basically put all the pieces together so that even though each of these platforms has very different coverage models, um, that driver on that buckle policy is fully covered um, as long as they um, register which which platforms are driving for up, you know, uh, on our platforms. So what about the platforms I don't see on here? Like, and I'm, I'm just going to use one, for instance, that I have worked with a lot is Curry, um, like mm-hmm. last mile delivery of like um, construction needs and things like that. Yep. Um, I don't see it on here. Does that does that work? Well, not yet. Um, okay. You know what what's happened is, and you can probably appreciate this having driven for um, rideshare as long as you have. You know, five years ago, it was mostly Uber and some Lyft. Five years ago, right? 
Um, four or three, four years ago is Uber Lyft and Uber Eats uh, was just emerging. Um, in 2020, we saw Instacart and DoorDash explode. Right. And what, what's happening now is that a lot of the retailers, um, for example, our partner um, uh, Favor is owned by HEB. Um, we, we're in a number of conversations with um, delivery platforms that are actually owned by large retailers. Um, so this is early days, um, but we're, we've built a platform that should, in theory, be able to work with everybody across all these different types of risks. And um, it's going to take us some more time to add in more and more of these uh, platforms right up there. But um, if uh, Curry, uh, what's it called? Curry. And I, Curry. it's uh, C-U-R-R-I. C-U-R-R-I. I will. Because I, uh, uh, they're, they're in every state. That's why I use them. I know there's some startups in like a city, even just one city, let's say. Yeah, and they're, we, and they're trying, and then and maybe they make it, maybe they don't, but maybe they sell out to Uber, maybe they do this, or Roadie sells out to UPS or that. But Curry is in every state now, so that's why I brought up that one because I know okay. a lot of people doing it in the gig economy, and I don't. I was just, I know there's other ones out there too. I could probably name, but I would have, I would have to think about one that's in every state. But that one Curry is. Well, I'll I'll make sure that one's added to our our list. Okay. So, um, <laughs> So that's kind of how it works. I mean, like if people do have another platform that's like national or something, you guys can start to maybe help them like, Hey, I I work these three that you guys do cover, but I also work this other one. So, um, that one I'm going to have to check with you on, but, um, I, I uh, specifically curry, but, um, you know, part of our product roadmap is basically add everybody to the platform in time and, and we're getting, I think better at it. Um, we're really excited that we added, uh, you know, several delivery companies last year. We'll add more this year, but mm-hmm. um, it's it's amazing how fast this is all growing and and how the players are evolving still. So, well, because it's a yeah, it's a space that I would I'm I'm kind of surprised you guys are the only ones in it. To be honest, I'm just being honest here because I'm. It's almost like the legal people who started up around the gig economy, you know, <laughs> who based yeah. it just on gig economy. It's like. I'm surprised nobody has done the insurance one because that's one of the biggest headaches I've ever talked about on the show with people is, are they carrying the right insurance? Are they, Yeah. I mean, and I've had every answer from no, I just don't even want to talk about that. I've got my blinders on to, yeah, "Yeah, I have a million dollar or $10 million commercial policy just to cover everything I do. I don't care. (laughs) And everything in between. So it's, yeah. Well, well, thank you. I mean, it's a hard problem. We've been working on this for five years. Um, we filed um, a, uh, a patent on this thing five years ago. It's interesting. The things we were talking about in that patent, um, you're starting to see things emerge today that, that are reflective of, of the sort of new reality. And, and really that the hard part isn't, um, for want of a better word, a one-size-fits-all policy where you don't have to worry about anything. Or the other extreme, which is your most insurance companies don't want to be on any risk that they don't understand, right? Right. But now you're looking at these risks that are hard to understand. You know, going back to my comment, ride share is different than food delivery, which is different than package delivery, which is different than Amazon delivery, which is, you know, like they need the data to go do that. They need the partnerships to go do that. They, They need to be really kind of all in on the gig workers. And, you know, the way we've always thought about it is uh, we want to be all in on gig workers um, and insurance is great and it does solve a lot of pain points, but
But if we can use that insurance to bring credit, we think that's actually the bigger pain point, um, getting credit for gig workers. Right. And then um, I think another pain point is there are, I think, a lot of both um, government and commercial organizations and nonprofits that want to help gig workers. They want to give them discounts. They want to give them you know, federal loans and grants. They want to give them all sorts of assistance, but they don't have the data and they don't know how to do it. And so, you know, hopefully we're filling the void in this, um, you know, ecosystem that's just going to require a new kind of financial infrastructure, a new kind of partner um, for these, uh, for, for what we believe is the rising or emerging middle class. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't agree more. And I know that everybody I know who listens or most people who listen to the podcast want to be independent contractors, stay that way. They don't want to be W2 employees, but yet they all have this same problem. And I've, I've talked to so many about their, I, I it just, I most of the time just let it go in fact, and try and stick with whatever the subject is that week, because I've, because I've heard all those answers and I'm, and I, I always just worry like, okay, if something happens to you, you this is going to be bad or you're overcovered or whatever, but it sounds like you know. It sounds like you guys are on the right path, at least to to make it worth coming over and checking. Maybe even gig workers listening have checked other platforms or called their insurance company, like I've asked or told people to, to try before, and they decided this is too expensive. I can't yeah. do this. This is just going to be too much money. I'm just going to keep rolling the dice. It sounds like this is the platform for them that they should at least come over and check it out, get a quote. And also see what that quote brings them. So even if it's just a few dollars more than what they are paying, maybe it comes out to, I, I don't want to say this and be out of line, but even less, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I think, um, you know, what I would simply say is, you know, if, uh, if you have a lower than 670 or credit, credit score, probably gonna, there's a good chance we're going to save you money because okay. we don't use credit score. So um, bottom, if line, bottom line is, is that that metric right there is almost, you're almost guaranteeing that one yeah we feel pretty good about that one if you're better than 670 we're going to be more expensive but you actually get more coverage right and and that's actually potentially a lot more important right. um because you know it, it it's it's a it's a little deceptive because if you're saving you know twenty dollars a month that's great but when you get an accident you got an eight thousand dollar you know collision repair bill um and you know coverage um well that's really expensive uh, so you, know, you had asked me the question, um, you know, if you have one of these policies, like, you know, and you think about, you know, having these loss events, what does it really mean? And, you know, we're, we're struggling with, with basically quantifying what it means, but we think it means, you know, effectively, you might feel like you're saving, um, you know, a couple hundred dollars a year for that really super competitive online quote. But when you get in an accident, there's no coverage and you got an $8,000 bill. Well, that wasn't that, that was a bad idea. Right. And, um, but, you know, when you sort of look at those sort of uh, big events, you know, we, we believe that, you know, we're saving people, even though it may not be reflective in the, um, just the cost alone, but the, the additional coverage, hopefully, hopefully a couple hundred dollars a year. So, um, okay. a lot of well, yeah, that's huge. I mean, even even if it, people end up paying near the same, but they're but they have the peace of mind to not have to go. I don't know if I'm covered or not, or I'm overcovered. To have well, that peace of mind, sure. knowing okay, I'm covered, and this is what I'm paying is a pretty. I mean, because I think that's the. I think to be to be honest, I think that's one of the biggest points is that people don't understand. 
people don't understand their insurance policy who don't do gig work. I right. think a lot of the time because insurance just gets to be kind of sticky and overwhelming yeah. to a lot of people. Like I don't want to read all this paperwork and understand every little thing that I need to know about yeah. this. And it's, and it is true. I mean, insurance is a little frightening sometimes to dive into it and try and really understand. But the bottom line is even when I land at your website, I can see right away that it's based around what I do for work. And that right there tells me, okay, even if I'm going to be in that same boat of like, uh, it's still a bit of a headache, at least I know I'm covered. Um, and on these platforms and that's a huge yeah. thing. Like right now, I know, I, I don't know we, you and I both agreed that about 90% want to be independent contractors, but I don't know how many, I would hate to guess on how many people are doing gig economy work without correct insurance. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's personal. I, because sa- sadly, I would think it's right about that same number. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> you know? I, I think I think for the rideshare companies, if you've got a rideshare endorsement, um, you're you're mostly okay, but not completely okay. But if you're doing delivery, um, you got to really watch out because there's some delivery platforms. And I won't name them right now. If you get an accident, they they tell you it's not their problem. Right. And um, it's really sad and you can go to the Reddit channels and see it, but they're quite, they're not a few number of them who will simply say, it's not our problem. You had tacos and you got an accident, uh, not our problem. Right. Well, I mean, I hate to say this, but my guess is most delivery drivers would try and claim it as not being on the platform. Yeah, I think I think that's that that's definitely going on right now. But you know, unfortunately, you've got an honest guy who now has got an eight thousand dollar bill, right? And um, you know, was just trying to make a couple thousand bucks of side hustle income. That's it, and just wasn't worth it. So right, and I think and I think that that's you know that's something I've pointed out to people too is like, you know, these people who take underage kids, which has always been a pain to me. Like it just drives me nuts because they even know it. And they're like, well, my mom okayed it. Well, if they're under 18, you can't take them, period. Like, and I've told people, you know, the, your insurance is going to walk away. The other insurance is going to, Uber's going to walk away. You're going to be yeah. like left. You could be left with the rest of your life paying this off, that one ride. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's funny. It's not just underage kids. There's so many other different scenarios where I just, you know, people just, again, it's, they, they're not that aware of their insurance. They're yeah. just not in it. And I got it. Maybe, maybe you have insight on this. Maybe you don't, but I'm kind of curious why, even though these companies can't give us, um, you know, hints or, you know, like, here's what you need to do because we're independent contractors. They're able to produce videos like rain that are for like, you know, not sexually assaulting customers and this and that. And you have to watch those videos before you can drive again on the platform. So why don't they have one on insurance where you have to watch three or four videos that are four minutes long before you can, and then you have to upload the correct insurance. I I don't understand why they all, why they let everybody Um, on like this. Yeah. So, um, um, so first of all, you got to make the jump that accidents are happening, whether they're insured or not. Right. um, in the cases where they're not, which is happening in a lot of situations, it's really the drivers that are paying for it. Right. Um, one of the reasons we're so excited about our partnerships, particularly the partnership with Lyft, is that you know Lyft has recognized that, hey, if, if all these things are covered, 
And there's just, you know, um, and that clarity is brought there, we'll pay our drivers more. So, you know, what we, what we expect to happen over time is that um, the drivers will take on uh, more of the insurance indemnity. They'll pay for it, but they should get paid more for it too. Right. And, and that'll create a, a hopefully a, a happy situation for everybody, which is the best drivers are actually driving more and getting paid more. Right. Um, what 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 I now just walk through is an employment uh, nightmare for any of these uh, platforms. You know, paying good drivers more than not good driver. I mean, it, it just they can't do that, right? If these are all contractors. You kind of got to live by certain, for want of a better word, you know, uh, what I call peanut butter rules. You got to treat everybody. Yeah, the yeah. Same. Yep. And and but when you look at um, when you look at it, um, there are definitely some people that should not be doing rideshare that are doing rideshare, and there are definitely some people doing delivery that shouldn't be doing delivery. Um, but their their pay is essentially the same pay as the very best rideshare and delivery drivers. Yeah. And, and that's. That's I mean, even even if it now. came back and may, I mean again even if it came back in the way of a check or something you know I don't know if that's how maybe it's a way around it but I just feel like if they can make us watch rain videos and still be independent contractors there's got to be a way to say hey do you have the right insurance and right. walk us through one of those cartoon videos like that that says hey well uh, so unfortunately they're 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 really there's only one really good solution for rideshare, and that's a, a true commercial policy. Um, other than our policy, right. and we're not in all the states yet. And delivery, there really is no good solution other than our policy. Um, and we're, you know, we're we're now covering twenty percent of uh, gig workers in the United States. Um, I'm hoping we'll finish the quarter over twenty five percent, but we're we're coming as fast as we can to. Um, to provide a commercial solution so that um, to your point, there actually can be a video. And at the end of the video, you can say there's actually somebody that provides you what you need. Right. Because right now, um, you know, there really isn't a good solution in a lot of parts of the United States, not at least until we get there. So where are you and where aren't you? I mean, without listing every state, but I mean, like, yeah. is there a way to so, explain to uh, people or. So I know Georgia, Tennessee, Illinois, Texas, um maryland uh dc i believe we're in pennsylvania by the end of this month um i know other states are coming so um but so have you been have you been adding the states fairly quickly lately or has this been have they all been on board for a while so it it takes a while because every state has got to sort of uh, approve you and let you in uh-huh. Um, you know, I expect this year you'll see quite a more, quite a few more states added to to the rules. Is so, is Colorado on your list for it's definitely, soon? It's definitely on our list. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think we're one of the roughest states to work with. It's more about just adding it, right? Yeah, it's not like California or something where it's just nuts. Yeah, California is uh, is tricky. Um, yeah. you know, we we are pleased to provide black car drivers um, in California. A, uh, a policy, but um, but hopefully we'll have our gig policy there um, realistically in a year or two. But um, so, if you just had to throw a dart and guess, when do you think you'd have all of the lower forty-eight states? Um, well, that's a good question. I I, 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 might, <laughs> I might ask it differently, which is when might you have um, the top one hundred DMAs? 
Um, and I think I think we could probably have the top 100 DMAs, assuming California uh, and New York approve everything, which are two hard states. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming those get approved. Which, okay. to be clear, California um, only recently um, made its first approval since pre-COVID to any insurance company. So it's been a it's been a year and a half where they really haven't moved on anything. Right. Um, but, um, you know, hopefully by the end of next year, we'll be in most of the top 100 DMAs. Okay. So, so kind of almost monthly things are moving and changing. Yeah. yeah. It's harder to get to like a Wyoming because, you know, it's not, a t- doesn't even have a top 200 DMA in there. Right. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the, you know, some of the smaller States are going to take a longer time to get there. Because yeah. we can only prioritize, um, you know, uh, based on the resources we have. Right. I was reading something that there's more deer in Wyoming. Wyoming's right above me. There's more deer in Wyoming than people. Sounds so, about right. <laughs> I mean, I know that they have uh, Cheyenne and uh, Jackson Hole, but other than that, all the towns are pretty small. So it's yeah, it's quite a bit of state without much many many cities that are populated over like 200 really mm-hmm. or 300, but um. Yeah. Okay. So for the states that you are in and whatnot, and people, so people, if they come there and try and get in a, a bid on a state that you're not in, it'll just kind of bounce them back or does it? Yeah. I, I believe we're going to collect their information and we'll keep them apprised of when we will be in their state. I think okay. that's so. okay. Well, um, and then uh, we are, we are introducing our advocacy effort um, this quarter, which will cover all 50 states. And those are our partners that can provide discounts for, you know, maintenance, um, you know, other things that leverage things. So we want to, we want to support all gig workers um, free of charge. We're not making anything, um, but anything we can do to help them get uh, save money or make money from our commercial partners, from the government or, or nonprofits. Those are the things we'll be doing with advocacy. So more to, more to follow on that. So stay tuned to the website. Is there and social media, or is there is there a, a specific platform that's best to keep up with Buckle on? Um, I'm not sure what the best platform is. I know we're active on a few of them, including uh, you know obviously Twitter and Facebook. But um, I'll I'll have to follow up on. But the website's up to date, as far as the I can tell from yeah from looking through it. So um, yeah. people can find all their information there and. Uh, I, I want to thank you, Marty, for coming on today and helping us understand this a little better because I think this is something that everybody should at least, there's no harm, no foul kind of thing to check this out. You know, price it out. I think you'll feel good even just landing at the website and seeing the logos of the companies you work for and knowing, wow, this insurance company on their homepage has my companies. Yeah. You know, it's not just like something I got to scratch my head and go, should I bring this up to the guy? It's like they're just throwing it right in your face. So it's right there. Um, so get over to uh, it is the company's buckle, but the but the website's buckleup.com. Yeah. Um, and I'll put everything in the show notes, but it is buckle, right? Just it's, it's not buckle up, it's just yeah. buckle, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the website's buckleup.com. And I want to thank Marty for coming on today. And uh yeah, we'll stay in touch for sure. Yeah, Steve, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. I want to thank Marty one more time for coming on. Uh, that was a very informative piece. Hopefully everybody took that one in because I know that I talked to a lot of people who, you know, as I was saying through the podcast, just roll the dice. Well, um, 
you know, this is to make sure that you have all your ends covered. And as you can hear, the different phases that we've talked about in the in the legal realm before, you know, that when you're actually considered in which which phase you are and how they cover, and it just gets awfully confusing. It would be nice to have a a one company like Buckle, you know, if they can if they can be competitive with their offer to you. Um, it's worth going and getting the twenty dollar free Visa card just to see what your quote would be. Um, so go go check them out. The link is in the show notes. It's buckleup.com, but the company is Buckle, and uh, I believe you can find them all over social media. Um, but you can start with the website. I also again want to thank our sponsor, Middleton Technologies, uh, especially the Maximo app, people. Maximo app. Again, link in the show notes. MiddletonTech.com. Go to the apps and you will find an app that you love if you are working gig work. That said, that's a week and I kept it under an hour, folks. That's the first time in a while I've actually done that. So actually, I'm really proud of myself. Everybody go out there and have a wonderful afternoon. Spend some good into this crazy world. And I'll see you back here next week on Rodeo. Peace.